Right. I want to welcome everybody watching via the internet. You are welcome at our service. Um, we just had such awesome worship, uh, thinking of the unconditional love of God, the, the, the message that He enlightens us, the grace of God, experiencing His love for us, and that is so, so good. Today we are going to be talking about how God provides in the New Testament. You know, we've had um, two uh, main messages that we've received all our life, and that is that you will, um, in this world, you will have by the sweat of your brow. And that's the only way that you can prosper. It's the only way you can have money. Now, as an introduction, I want to say this. Um, I do, uh, I mean, I preach a lot of places and we are very busy. And I do get money, but it's not by the sweat of my brow. It's by living the passion in my heart. And there's a big difference. Uh, you know, I, I, I look at, um, Andres is not here, so I'm going to use him as, as an example. I mean, he's got a transport business, and um, he, he gets money that way, and it's not by the sweat of his brow. He loves what he's doing. There's Mark Vessels in the back there. I mean, I know him for 20 years. His passion is to take pictures. You know, and he wouldn't want me to say this, but he's one of the, um, he, he's rated in the top 10 um, news photographers in the country. And he's, he's a, I mean, he's good at what he does. But he's not by the sweat of his brow, although he works hard. He's not trying to fulfill a curse to be blessed. He's living his passion. And God has come to set us free from, number one, to live by the sweat of our brow. And number two, what came later on in the church world is to follow some kind of a spiritual principle to persuade God to provide for you. He's come to set us free from that. You know, so that we can have freedom in this life and we can enjoy what is in our hearts. Now, we have, we have seen uh, in the church world that anything you do, Anything you do outside of being full-time in ministry is actually by the sweat of your brow. You know, all people aren't called to preach. It's just the way it is. You can share with a friend and you can uh, dish out a CD, invite somebody to church, be at a place where, where you see someone in need and you feel the Holy Spirit is uh, awakening a certain thought in you and you can share it. But you shouldn't think that what you are doing is actually part of the curse. It is not. You know, when Adam sinned, then God said, by the sweat of your brow, you shall bear fruit. Now, Adam is a type of Christ. And what it was actually saying was that the only way that there would ever be fruit in the life or provision for his bride, which is Eve would be by the sweat of Adam's brow. And there was definitely sweat on the brow of the last Adam that formed drops of blood. And by that, there was provision for us. <laughs> and now we want to carry that curse in our lives, where Jesus is the end of the curse. 
where we can have a life where we can enjoy what we want. But we've been brought up in such a system that you look at what is not nice and that is what God has called you to do. And what is nice is what the devil calls you to do. We've twisted the things all around, you know. When something bad happens, it is God is testing you or God is purifying you or God wants to uh, shape your character by putting you through this hard time, by giving you a job that you hate every day. And our hearts has come to a place where we are only receptive to things that is contrary to us. Because the way we think was born from a system that is contrary to us, which is called legalism. And now, we hear and we want to do something that we hate, and then one day when we retire, we can go and do what we want. It doesn't have to be like that. I'm not saying the first thing you must do on Monday morning is resign your job. What I'm saying is, Let the love of God flood your heart to the point that you can come with boldness before God and make your passion known to Him. And as you make your passion known to Him, you will find that He brings forth the very desire in your heart. And that is the way it is supposed to be. Now you might say, but Bertie, that is too easy for this world. Well, you know... Let this word flood your heart and uh, dare to share that vision or that passion that God has brought to you with him. And you'll see how he brings forth, you know, uh, a new life uh, for you and how you can have provision for yourself. You know, if I look at myself, I mean, I grew up in a house where my father... Uh, was doing engineering. Um, he was the head of uh, um, the electric department, the whole electric department of the biggest sawmill in the Southern Hemisphere. And um, I mean, I did a lot of stuff with my hands. I can I can start a business right now, you know, doing engineering work if I want. But it would be by the sweat of my brow. I don't want to do that. It is something I am capable of doing. But it's not born in my heart. It's not the passion that lives inside me. And we must realize that we are people that can live that passion. I remember that when when I started out, you know, many people said to me, you know, Bertie, you know, a lot of people become pastors because they are too lazy to work. Is that not true? (laughs) In church you learn many stuff. Just sit, brother. <laughs> Please keep coming to church, brother. <laughs> they say that a pastor is just lazy, you know, he doesn't want to work. And um, the wonderful thing about that is when you are in grace, you don't have to prove how hard you work to counter their accusation. I don't have to do that. You know, it's, and then, you know, if, when you start out, it's like that. You know, it's like you are just too lazy to work. And after 20 years of preaching, when you travel all over the world and you've got a wonderful life, then they come and say, you know, you pastors, you do nothing and you just have a wonderful life. <laughs> but I mean, you had a chance to be lazy and be blessed. You know, but you never grabbed hold of it. You know. <laughs> So I don't, I don't say we should be lazy. I just say let's follow the passion of heart. And it can work that way. It can work that way. Glory to God. 
Now, I want to read from Matthew chapter 6, and, and we're getting into the message now. What we said last Sunday, we talked a little bit about the love of money, and said that the love of money was not actually so much a love for money, but a love for what money gives you in the sense that you find your identity in your ability. Because your ability is portrayed in uh, you know how, how, how effective you can do business and how much money you can make. Now, if you haven't been here last Sunday, get the, get the CD or the DVD. I uh, re-recorded it at home um, because the sound wasn't right in church. Okay, good. Then uh, Matthew 6, verse 31 to 33. It says, Take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after these things do the Gentiles seek. For, you have, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, it says here that the Gentiles, or uh, let me put it this way, the worldly person does not, you know, what he seeks is what God knows you need. That's what it says there. It says, what the Gentiles seek... He says, don't you seek after those things. You worry where you will stay, what you will wear, and all those kind of things. He says, don't worry about those things. Don't worry to be de- even be defined by those things. Don't worry about it at all. Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. So when God comes here and He talks about New Testament uh, um, you know, provision, He comes and He puts the, the concept of Father on the playground and make that the, the center of the discussion the word father was a foreign or God as a father was a foreign concept to the Jews Jesus was the first one that would relate to God as father you know in the Old Testament you got eight names or ten names for God but none of those names was the name father and Jesus came and he declared God for who he really is and he declared him as father and the best way you can understand God is to understand Him as a father. Now, if I come to my children and I say to them, listen man, I'll, if I look at my kids and I see they're all the time busy, trying to do some, some kind of business, trying to sell something, working all the time, and I ask them, why do you do this? And they say, we need to provide for ourselves for our future. We want to go to university, you know. We want to make sure we've got a clothes for school. Then I will say to him, listen, if you did all of this work, because that's a passion in your heart, I will even help you to get more of this. But since you want to do this, thinking, not knowing that I will provide for you, I want to declare to you that that provision that you are working for is included in the fact that I'm your father. So the word father is the end of all your worries concerning provision. He came and he declared himself as father. And, um, you know, I heard somebody say, it says here, first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then these things shall be added unto you. So here he comes and he says, and, and let me just get to what the scripture says. The scripture says, look at the Father. The Father will meet all your needs. All that you need to do is be concerned with his kingdom and his righteousness. The word righteousness there means equity of character. 
What kind of a wonderful being he is that is that calls himself a father that will always provide for you uh, because he's not a bad father but a good father. He's got this absolute elegance about him. He's got this glorious light shining out of him called compassion and love and care. And that is what you need to be persuaded of and have your mind flooded in is in his righteousness. The right that Jesus has to be provided for and the equity of character that is in the one that calls himself your father. Have your heart saturated in that. Because the way it works in the kingdom of God is God is everything. And then he made beings in his image and in his likeness that he wants to share his life with. But these beings can only partake of his life on the foundation of a God kind of a being, which means they need to believe in it, they need to want it, they need to have a desire for it, they need to have it influence them by looking at the good, because we are human beings. You know, it's like um, Eliana and I, it doesn't matter how much... You know, I wanted to be good to her, or how good I am, unless she would, because she is my equal, she had to be persuaded of my love, and then believe in that love, to such a point that she says, you know, I can see myself united with you forevermore, and in that whole relationship, you find that who I am and all the provision that surrounds me, she is a partaker of it. It is, she's not an animal. She is a human. You know, I've got, I don't know if I said it last Sunday, because I did two, two messages, I don't know if I said it here or in the, in the studio. You know, I've got a dog called Clafir, you know. You call him Clafir because he's black and white. You know, so... It's better than calling him apartheid. So hard and wet, you know. So okay, right. So, so this dog, we, we, we got this dog from the SPCA, but it, he was born in the SPCA. So there was like six puppies, and we we went to pick one. And just before our other dog, we had to uh, put him down. I said, I think the best dog there is would be a Burbu Scarpont, you know, cross. And um, uh, so there was Burbu Skaponte. I thought, thank you, Lord, you know. <laughs> so I went there, and there was six of them. Three of them ran away when I entered the, the cage there. And then two of them was just sitting, doing nothing. And he came and sat on my foot. So that's mine, obviously, you know. And since the first day I saw him, he had an adoration for me. He will come to me when I sit next to the fire, and he will sit in front of me and stare at me and look at me and he will not move his face for five or ten minutes. He will just look at me with this absolute worship. If I tell him, sit, he sits. If I tell him, go outside, he goes outside. If I tell him, lay down, he does it. He can obey me and he worships me. He loves me. But when I come from a service and I've really enjoyed it, I struggle to share my emotion with him because he struggles to understand Afrikaans. <laughs> For 
Therefore, he lives and moves and have, has his being not in human, but in dog. And we, you know, I can share it, that joy with somebody who lives and moves and have their being in human, which is my family, or you guys. But the dog struggles, although he can obey me and worship me, he's not my kind. And then Paul comes and he says that in him we live and move and have our being. So we are fully the God kind to the point that the only being in the universe that God can have a sensible conversation with is a human being. (laughs) That is good news. (laughs) That makes me happy, man. So God, in his provision brought a being that has its, its being in God. Meaning this being can partake of God only on the foundation of the principles of this kingdom, which is love. Where you are loved, where this love influences you, where your heart gets persuaded of this love, where you see yourself in unity and in union with this other being, and in so doing, you are a partaker of everything that being has. Now, this beauty that I'm sharing with you now has been distorted in the church to the point, there's one guy, he called me, maybe I, I shouldn't even say this here, but he called me and he said to me, um, he said to me, he spoke to Janet, Janet gave me the phone, said it's doctor so-and-so, of doctor, you know, he studied some theology somewhere. And uh, he, said, <laughs> he, said, uh, he said to me, uh, where did you study? That's the first thing he says. Then I knew there's trouble. <laughs> I said to him, whom I'm speaking to? He said to me, um, it's doctor so-and-so. I said to him, I said to him, whom I'm speaking to? He says, it's doctor so-and-so. I said, whom I'm speaking to? He says, it's doctor so-and-so. He says, I said to him, listen, it seems to me as if your, your identity crisis made you lose the knowledge of what your name is. <laughs> Who are you? You know, he says, no, I am, then he called his name. You know, because everything is about doctor, doctor, doctor. You know, and what happens is, you know, through all this, and, and what he then said to me, through all this theology, we've taken this wonderful truth of how provision comes through our union and with a father and having a father. And he says, seeking the kingdom there means tithing. Because the kingdom of God functions on the principle, if you give, you'll receive. That's the kingdom of God. So first seek how you must tithe, then all these things shall be added unto you. Now that's not what's written there. Jesus didn't have the tithe in mind. What he had in mind is children that are fretting about provision and identity, where their identity plus their financial uh, uh, um, stability is all included in one being is willing to tell you, I, I relate to you as father. That's the way. 
And that was in God's heart. Now, when we look at the kingdom of God, let's talk a little bit about the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God was not functioning in the Old Testament. And, at the, and John was preaching that the kingdom of God was at hand. And then Jesus was preaching saying the kingdom of God is here. He even went to say that if I cast out a devil on this planet, it means that the kingdom of God has now come. So what is this kingdom? Now when Jesus was baptized, let's, let, let's start there at the baptism of Jesus again. He was baptized at a, at, a, at a place in Hebrew called Bethabara. Now what Bethabara means, it means the place of the crossing. There was a shallow place in the river where people could walk through the Jordan River. But it was the very same place where the Israelites crossed into the promised land. The very same place where they went from the desert into the promised land was where Jesus was baptized. And if you go and read about this, what happened was, you know, uh, uh, the, the um, priest went in and when they put their feet in the water, it dammed up. And it made a wall of water and the water was pushing back like a dam. But if you go and look at the Red Sea, you know, it, it, it just opened up. It wasn't like, like the Red Sea. It was, and God specifically did it in this way, trying to tell something to us. And the Bible says, and it dammed up very far to, the, to a town called Adam. Beautiful. So, what was it talking about? He says, listen, now the kingdom of God is about to take place, to start to come to this earth, to, to manifest here. And John was baptizing. And the, there at the crossing, where you go into the promised land, was where he was baptizing. And while he was baptizing there, what I believe what was happening was, it, it was all this, it was a damning up of all the sin, of all of mankind was right there. Right up to Adam. Because Jesus didn't just come 2,000 years ago. The Bible says that Jesus came in the fullness of time. The fullness of time doesn't mean the perfect time. The fullness of time means in the consummation, in the taking together of all time, Jesus came. So the sins of all the world was damned up, even up to Adam. Then he was baptized into that sin and took the sin of all of the human race, every sin that could ever be committed in future, unto him. And it was taken from all of the human race, put on one man, and then he came and he demonstrated the kingdom of God. He healed all the sick because they had no right to sickness. Because all of the, the sins was upon him. Then he went to the cross. And the Bible says, Jesus was lifted up just like the snake. And our enmity, and in Afrikaans it is skilled brief. The letter that accuses us was nailed to the cross. And the law was taken away. And all our sins died in Jesus so that we are now partakers of a kingdom where we are not works orientated or sin conscious. This is the new kingdom. Now it says, seek the kingdom of God. This kingdom is a place where there are beings that are that functions from being united with each other. Where the Father is united with the Son in a perfect union. And like I've preached many times, we are seated in the Son and we are a co-heir 
with the Son, meaning everything Jesus inherited in His resurrection, you are a co-heir of that, seated with Him, meaning you are fully unified with the Father as Jesus is. So as Jesus is a partaker of all the provision that is in the Father, based on His union, you are a partaker of all that. And all of that manifests in us as our hearts get persuaded of this truth. Glory to God. And God's attitude of provision is not just towards the righteous. He says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Glory to God. His care is there for all of us. One wants provision by sweating and suffering. Others have provision from a foundation of a father that loves him and is unified in unity. You know, the the Bible says that we are so knit together with God. Let let me explain it. Explain this way. The father took dust. And then from that dust, he made a human being. Then he put his life inside that human being, taken from dust. Now, the Bible says in Romans 8 that creation waits for the glorification of the sons of God, meaning our physical immortality. Okay? Then creation will have the very same life that we have. Why? Because we were taken from dust, and this dust is from this physical world. And if you glorify a man, because we are so one with this dust, then everything shall be glorified. The whole kingdom of God functions from unity. That's how it works. The Bible says in the beginning, uh, in John chapter 1, let me just, um, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Yes. In John 1 verse 1 and John 2 verse 1 to 2, I think last time I spoke on that, the Bible says that, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And everything that was made was made by this Word. And in this Word was life. And this life is the light of man. So in the beginning was the Word or God's kind of a life. Was in the beginning. And in that beginning, because of that union and that kind of a life, we we find that from that unity... God said, let us make man. Now by just saying, let us make man, it implies so much. If the Father says, let us, what he's actually saying is, I need your permission. Let us do this. I'll tell, if I say to my, my family, let, let us go on a holiday, or let us go and uh, wash the car. It means, let us all be in agreement, let's agree, let's all of us see the need for this, understand this, and in unity have the same knowledge, and from there we can bring something forth. That is the kingdom of God. That's how the kingdom of God functions. And God has invited us into His way of thinking. And what God is saying to you is, let us have peace. Let us live a stress-free life concerning our finances. Let us. And if you say, God, okay, if you say, let us do this, how are we going to do this? Simple. Let us hear what makes him say that. Let us hear what persuades him 
to be so bold that he can say, let's enter into no stress. <laughs> and as your heart gets persuaded of that, the Bible says, from your heart flows the very force that drives your life, then someone called the Holy Spirit comes and brings forth and manifests in this material world what is true inside you. So we, you know, we've always had this teaching that we must rule, we must reign. Now the Bible says, all authority was given to Jesus. Not you. To Jesus. And, and He has come and brought the complete new kingdom. And His authority manifests in those who partake of His kingdom. And that's how He rules in His kingdom. He is the king. He are, we are called kings because we are in the king. But we can never... You know, we've had this idea that God gave us power. And now with this power, we must try and change the world. God is still in control. All we do is, we preach His new kingdom as people are partakers of this new kingdom because the kingdom function on the system of this unity and mutual belief and trust and union. We find His kingdom manifesting in people's lives. And God is not going to partner with any other system in bringing forth righteousness in people, bringing forth, forth holiness in people, health, financial prosperity, or anything outside of Him loving you into it. It's the only way. That's how God provides for us. So, in Him was a certain kind of a life. That life is a unity life, and that brings forth all of this. So first seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Now when we go and look at Philippians 4 and, and explaining how God provides for us, it says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. <coughs> but my God shall, it says they supply, uh, it, it's an old English word, it, it means meet your need. And, but my God shall supply and meet every need you have in accordance to His riches, which is in His glory, by your contribution. No, no, no. By Christ Jesus. So I want to say to you, forever in the depth of your being, and, and this cannot come just by me just preaching it to you today. You'll have to, you know, you, you'll have to hear the Holy Spirit say this to you over and over, so that the very depth of your subconscious mind gets reprogrammed, that your belief gets reprogrammed with the system that God provides for you based on who He is. By Christ Jesus, according to the riches of His goodness. That's how He provides for you. Because we've been walking with this cloak. I remember when I just uh, first got this, the, the message where the Lord shared with me that I don't have to tithe or sow for Him to, to give to me. I didn't do it, but I had an underlying fear. Because what if I don't and it doesn't work? You know, and then what happens with many people, you know, the people that, a lot of people preach tithing and giving and all of that, but you'll find maybe just 5% or 10% in the church 
the people actually tithe. And what happens then is the rest only live in guilt. That's it. 90% of the people living in guilt. So every time we talk, we talk about money, there's an underlying emotion of guilt. And I want you in this church and everybody watching via the web that follows the ministry to be completely free of that feeling of indebtedness when you get your paycheck. I want you to feel loved. I want you to feel God cares for me. I want, to, I want you to feel gratitude in your heart for God's love for you. Because we cannot start our month with guilt. You know, the, the, the newest thing that I see now in, in, the, in the grace is, you know, God will not curse you if you don't tithe. Neither is He going to bless you if you do tithe. But, if you don't tithe, you still, you've got something that belongs to Him, and you're a thief. Jesus took away the sin of all of man, yet God declares you as a thief in the presence of the blood of Jesus. You know, and, and by preaching this, I don't want to take away your generosity, because generosity is something completely different. We are a generous being from inside us, but generosity forced, is like I said last Sunday, you know, it's like forced diving. Breathing is not that easy when you are forced to dive. You know, people keep keeping your head under the water, you shall dive. That's how it is when you when you forced to give, you know, it's it, it chokes you. You you feel I can't breathe. So for me to force anybody to give would be absolutely ludicrous. What we want is we want to see God bearing His fruit in people and it can never happen in the presence of guilt. We don't start our month with guilt. Come to church without feeling guilty. He's come to remove all guilt. Amen. Be set free. I don't know how to say it clearer. Be set free from all guilt, from all sense of obligation, and all those kind of things. Be completely set free. God promises you generosity. Why can God be generous and have a passion for people that is so much, that He sees so much value, that He gives His life and love from such an emotion-charged life that he's, he's, He can't but give His life for these people and then keep that away from the church? The only way I want to see any of you give and only way I give is when I see that passion. I want His generosity born in me. That's the way God intended for the church to give and it shall never come forth if we come with any way of God will provide for you on the foundation of you shall tithe, you shall sow or whatever. There is no such a thing as tithing. I've tasted what it is to be in the presence of a God that loves me. And how must I see people all over the world dying with guilt through a system called the love of money, through a system called, you know, tithing was before the law, so it, it jumped right over Moses, right into the church now. 
If you're preaching tithing, you need to repent before God. And you need to tell your people you're sorry. And I wish I can say it more radical. Because people are misled and we are postponing the time for where, where people will enter into true generosity. My goodness. The church in, in, in 2 Corinthians, they say, the Bible says, The grace of God came upon them and they gave out of their poverty that it astounded the Apostle Paul. But we want to steal that Liberty, where they can be liberated from fear, liberated from what will happen in the future, by all the time coming in with some stupid tithing teaching. There is one tithe, his name is Jesus. That's it. He is our great high priest. He has come and brought provision for the church. We are his bride. Eliana, you know, she, she, she works in the office. You know, people all, all, most of the time ask me, what, what does she do? She does the books in the, in the office, you know, and she does the emails for us. She does the, the, the grammar check and all that for us. That's what she does. And I wish that she couldn't even do that. All I want her to do is just to be my wife. That's all I want her to do. I want to provide for her. I'm a husband, man. That's how I feel in my heart. I don't say everybody must do that. Don't make a law of that. There are some women that might feel, I want to do some business or this or that. That's fine. Live the passion in your heart. I just say how I feel towards her. And I feel that God feels exactly the same way towards us. I don't want her to have one day of worry on where she will get anything from. I want to pay for her. I want to, when she's dressed beautifully, it talks about me. And why we say God wants a relationship with us. I want to tell you, that woman has never tithed to me. (laughs) She's never sown to reap or nothing. I invited her and said, I will love you. If you are open to be loved... You know, you will find my life born in you and you'll be a partaker of my quality of life. And that was the end of all provision, you know, for all worry for provision for her. That's it. How much more shall Jesus not have the same calling us the very bride of Christ? God provides for you on the basis of who He is and no other system. And when we come to the place where who He is floods our heart, because He says He'll meet our needs according to His riches, which is in His glory by Christ Jesus. Now, what is His glory? And I've preached this many times. He says here, this is the glory of God. Moses went unto the mountain. When he went up to the mountain, he said, show me your glory. God said, no problem. Tomorrow I will declare all my goodness to you. Making the glory of God the very goodness of God. So what happens? What, and then he declared this glory. He says, this is my glory. This is my name. This is who I am. I am merciful. I am gracious. I am long-suffering. I am kind. I keep mercy for thousands. I never deal with you based on your transgression. 
He says, I will meet your need in accordance to that glory. And all you need to do is seek that glory, meaning find out how merciful He is, how influential He is. How kind He is. How He walks with no consciousness of sin. Let that flood the depth of your heart. So that Proverbs 4 verse 20 can become true in your life. In this sense, the Bible says, Attend to my word. Incline your ear unto my saying. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For out of your heart flows the very force that will drive your life. Let the glory of God, the goodness of God, be the very pivot point of your belief system so that you can find that your life is driven by the very mercy of God. (laughs) Hallelujah! God will meet all your needs according to His riches in glory. Amen. Amen. I tell you, if we see a need in the church, and, and let me say this for people, pastors watching me, if we see a need in the church, we preach, this is, and you can't pay your stuff, what, this is the way, if you want to pay your stuff, this is the way you do it. You preach the love of God, until God's love brings forth the generosity of God in people that they can see the value of this message being preached that they can see the value of having a local church where they can come and fellowship let them see that when they when it burns in their heart like it burns in the heart of God generosity will come forth and everything will be paid by the nature of God in people But if we come in with some tithing, sowing and reaping thing, what we do is, we preach the gospel will be funded from Satan. We don't need the devil's money. What we need is the love of God in the heart of a man that floods your heart to the point that Desires start to be born in you that's in line with the desires of God. Where we don't find our desires born from BMW, but where we find our desires born from a loving relationship with the Father. We start to find our resources. You know, our vision and our resources and what we have and our life. We find the, 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 the character of God and what is portrayed in Christ born in us. And that cannot come with, come on guys, come on guys, you better give. No, no, it comes with sharing the love of God. Revealing to people who they are. Revealing to them how the Father loves them. God is your provider. God is your provider. I end off with this. The Bible says, in the beginning, you know, God made the heaven and the earth. In the beginning. But in this beginning was the kind of life that the Godhead possesses. So let's say in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and this Word is life. Now let, let's take that word beginning and replace it with the word life. In the beginning was God's life. And from that life, the heaven and earth was made. The physical 
the way God intended for the kingdom to manifest in this world was from his kind of a life. That life is called the word or God's logic. God's logic is, if I have got everything, I'll put it in a nothing, then the nothing will have the everything. That's God's logic, that's God's word. That's God's message for the human being. And now he says, in that beginning was enough power, in that life, in that union but in the God, it was enough everything to create the universe. And now what he's saying is, I introduce to you this kingdom. And I come and I propose to you and I say to you, you are not guilty anymore. All your sins has been taken away. Come and partake of this by allowing this to form your belief so that from your belief you'll find my belief bring forth everything that needs to be created from the beginning. The life of Jesus. In your life, whatever you need. And I want to say this, I found that the more I am saturated by the love of God, the more my desire is towards people. I found that the best investment I could ever make is in people. And thank God that this, this doesn't come from some theory I heard at some seminar, but it's born from one who has loved me. The quicker, the, the, the quickest you will ever see his life in you, it, or let me put it this way, the sooner you will see this, will be completely connected to how quickly you allow him to fully love you. Because the end of his commandment wasn't to be merciful to you. The end of the commandment was that his mercy could get you to a place where you can feel how it feels to live like him. You are provided for. The word Father says it all. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love, thank you for your mercy, thank you for your grace. Thank you that we don't have to have, we don't have to get Satan to fund our vision by preaching his logic in the church, but that we could have a Father that provides for us with a burning heart, that cares for us with a passion that is greater than what we could ever imagine. Lord, your ways is higher than our ways. <laughs> our way was, you work to get, your way was, I unify and you'll have. You'll have a desire for a certain business, is what you'll give us. You'll have a desire to work at a certain place. You'll have a, we'll have knowledge on how things work in this world, and we'll discover new things. We'll have new patents. We will have... Even when we work, we'll have such a passion to do our work successfully, living with love towards everyone that is in that building that we work with. Thank you, Lord, that we can passionately live our life born from you. And Father, I ask you that millions of people might watch this message. Thank you that people will spread this. Work in the hearts of people to share this. Email it. Share it wherever they can. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that we can... I don't want to say we work together. We, we are one. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen.